And that means we talked to Becky Gray. She is the senior vice president of the John Locke Foundation. You can read uh, her work and her quotations in carolinajournal.com. Uh, Becky, how are you? Happy Friday. Um, great, Pete. Happy Friday to you. I uh, I gotta I have to admit, I, I'm not seeing a lot of stuff moving through the state legislature this week either. I know last week was very, very slow. This week seemed kind of slow, too. You know, it is, and we're at that point where the final negotiations of the budget are mm-hmm. taking place. A lot of these meetings are between committee chairs. They're between between some legislative meetings, although that's been rather slow, but they're in behind closed doors. We're also seeing and hearing that there are some negotiations and conversations with the governor's office. So as they work out these details in the final budget, which is a $25.7 billion spending plan. So, you know, Pete, we're talking about a lot of money. Um, that's where we are. So it seems very quiet. It's kind of eerily quiet at the building all week. But there, what I understand is that there is a lot going on, a lot of negotiations. We're hearing that next week is also going to be slow, maybe have a vote out of the General Assembly the following week. And then, again, what we're hearing is the governor is included in these negotiations and these conversations at this point. But then, of course, when they pass the budget, it will go over to the governor's office and he will make a decision on what he's going to do. So, yeah, it's quiet, but it doesn't mean that there's not stuff going on. Yeah, well, it's like the scene from the movie where they say, oh, it's quiet. It's too quiet. Yeah, yes, stuff's happening. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, right. And uh, I have been down at the building, and you do get that feeling um, that it's it's almost a little bit too quiet. That someone's about to get murdered by somebody with an axe or something. Or, or, or somebody's getting ready to spend a bunch of your money, <laughs> which, right. which is really what's happening. So um, one of the things that I saw uh, moving on social media, on uh, on Twitter, where all of a sudden, oh, there's some renewed interest in Medicaid expansion. Like, they think that this no. might actually now happen. It's on the table, so they say. Yeah, you know, again, the eerily quiet, and then you start hearing things like that, and you wish they would go back to just being completely quiet <laughs> again. Uh, but, you know, the Medicaid expansion has been one of the things that the governor has actually drawn the line in the sand with previous budgets. That, you know, he is, it, it is no secret to anyone that's paying attention that the governor really wants Medicaid expansion. Will that be part of the negotiations with the General Assembly? maybe I'm kind of hearing the same thing. I don't know any more than Pete, what you've mentioned on social media. Um, North Carolina has held fast in not expanding Medicaid. I think that's the right decision, particularly as we're still working to transition our Medicaid program into a new format, a new way of delivery. We want to make sure that that, that program is stable before we throw another 600,000 people onto Medicaid um, but we are hearing that. I hope that's not true. I don't think that's the right decision for North Carolina right now. Again, to put 600,000 additional people on Medicaid when 20% of our population is already on Medicaid. Pete, over half the babies born in North Carolina are born under Medicaid. This is a huge, massive program already. Let's make sure that that program is serving the people that need those services in the most appropriate way, in the most cost-effective way, before we start putting large populations of childless, able-bodied, working-age adults onto 
this entitlement program. Yeah, it's it is a couple of things. Number one, it is sort of the backdoor uh, universal health care uh, uh, measure that like that's how it's getting developed. It's obvious. And that was the intent, I think, from the beginning. But the other part is, as you just mentioned there, the population that you're talking about that's eligible for Medicaid under the expansion rules are not the population that Medicaid was originally designed to provide services for. And those folks uh, are actually worth less to the providers for the reimbursements than the new population is. So they've essentially created this perverse incentive to see the new enroll to any new enrollees first who are younger, able-bodied, can work, not sick. Like those folks are going to get uh, scheduled first. They're going to get access first because a lot of providers have just uh, they, they've slowed down or not accepting uh, seeing any Medicaid patients because the reimbursements are so low. Right. Yeah. And so you know, as you mentioned, what that does is it endangers the the population that Medicaid was designed for, and yeah. that is for poor children, poor pregnant women, um, the aged, the disabled, the people that are struggling with substance abuse. I mean, I think Medicaid was designed for a population that I think, you know, most people can agree, the, this is the safety net population that we have a obligation to look after. And it endangers those people. And as you said, what it, it seems to be is the end game is universal health care which was really came out of Obamacare right. when that was put into place. Um, many states have rejected Medicaid expansion. North Carolina is one of those. Part of the problem with this is, or you know, kind of an unknown part of it is, the federal government has offered these huge incentives, huge monetary incentives for states to expand their Medicaid population. I think North Carolina has been more thoughtful and more forward thinking in really saying, okay, you know, the feds are going to pay for this, but, you know, everybody remember the feds have no money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we really want to expand a program based on federal funding when the federal government is broke? Um, you know, what's going to happen when that federal money dries up? Or, or better yet, is this the best long-term plan to ensure health care and to ensure that our most vulnerable populations are taken care of? Yeah. Well, it also coincided with the uh, the takeover that Republicans had at the legislative uh, level where they now got to uh, fix the problems that existed in that system for so long. It was running such massive deficits. It was blowing, you know, multi-billion dollar holes in budgets. And uh, when Democrats finally got voted out, Republicans came in and they started working on fixing it just as Obamacare was getting run. And uh, and so the GOP said, no, we're going to do our thing. We're not going to get distracted or derailed in our efforts. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, really put some measures in place for some fiscal accountability. And again, to make sure that money spent is money that is that meets the intended purpose of making sure that people do people who need it you know have that health care and you know the thing about it is if the concern is that people cannot afford health insurance because the cost of health care has gone up what we really ought to be looking at is lowering the cost of health care rather than just saying well health care costs so much we'll just have the government pay for it you know we ought to be looking at um expanding access to health care through allowing um, mid-level providers, nurses' aides, nurse practitioners, those kind of folks, allow them broader 
ability to practice within the scope of what they can do. We ought to be looking at expanding the use of telehealth and telemedicine. We ought to look at being at removing some of the barriers, like with certificate of need laws. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we can do to lower the cost of health care and not just concede, well, the cost of health care is so expensive we have to have government pay for all of it. Let's look at lowering the cost of health care so that people can afford the kind of health insurance that they need and their families need. That's a better way to approach this problem rather than just going in and saying, well, we'll just expand Medicaid and let the federal government pay for it. Becky Gray, Senior Vice President of the John Locke Foundation, johnlocke.org. You can read uh, their publication, Carolina Journal, at carolinajournal.com. Becky, we will cut you loose early for the day, and maybe next week uh, it'll be uh, less quiet in Raleigh. We shall see. We shall see. Yep. In the meantime, keep up with carolinajournal.com to find out what is happening next week in the General Assembly. Pete, have a great weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week. Same here. Thanks, Becky. I appreciate it. And we head on over. 